Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Really excited to welcome in Carol Lawson and Tara Vanderveer. Uh, we're going to have a little discussion on Title IX and uh, obviously with the celebration of the 50 year of Title IX. I think uh, two people that have lived it. And, uh, and I guess, Tara, you and I, and maybe Jay have kind of seen it progress. Carol, you've seen it progress, but as a, more as a player, that, and probably less of just seeing seeing the world change a little bit in terms of women's athletics. So I guess I guess the first thing would be like for both of you, just like growing up, when did you first realize? I mean, because it's been 50 years, the significance and the importance and the need for what we're talking about today and what has happened over the past 50 years. Coach, yeah, I'm gonna please. let you take that first. You know, when I was growing up, um, there there was there was no basketball or any sports for girls, no organized sports. So I did, I played with the boys and then, you know, they would have like a fifth grade team, sixth grade team, seventh grade team, freshman team, JV varsity. And, you know, there just was nothing for the girls. It was extremely frustrating. Um, and, you know, we had little play days, but you didn't know anything else. And so title nine didn't happen for me until Basically, I was in college, and by the time they even really started doing anything, uh, I had graduated. So, you know, I never had a scholarship. I waitressed to pay for school. I loaned money to pay for school. My parents paid for it. Um, You know, and as an example, when I went to Indiana, um, the boys practiced from two to seven. So we practiced at seven o'clock at night. And by the time we got home, it was like nine thirty, ten o'clock. And then you'd have like hamburger helper. And I think that's probably why I'm a vegetarian today. You know, it's just, you know, it was uh, really frustrating. It was, um, you know, it, it was hard. I mean, you know, we bought our shoes. We, we, we didn't, my first year, we didn't have uniforms. I don't think, you know, then, you know, we laundered everything, uh, you know, it was really, really different. So title nine, my timing for title nine for playing was bad, but for coaching was really good. I've, I've, really benefited from the, the legislation in title nine. Um, when, when I, I came up and playing the game, things were a lot different than what, what coach described. There were leagues and AU programs and uh, opportunities for me to, to play. And then of course, uh, being able to not only go to college and play, but to, to get recruited by um, a, a number of colleges and programs at, at different division levels and, and, and have the opportunity also uh, to play in the WNBA, uh, which started, that started when I was in high school. So um, for me, uh, I, I always had a goal of playing in college and getting a college degree. But then when I was a sophomore in high school, that WNBA uh, uh, started. And now, now the goal changes. Now you, you see something tangible in your own country that you can actually play professional sports, um, for, for a living. And it doesn't have to end, uh, at the end of the college career. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the opportunities for me and, and, and where, when I was born and, and, and certainly, um, what I was able to, to see the changes certainly helped. And now being a coach, um, at the collegiate level, um, there, there are a lot more opportunities still. We still have a long way to go. I think all the advancements that we've made have been awesome, but there's still a lot of ground to cover um, in in the equality fight for sure. Well, on the long way to go piece, uh, I, I think it's perfectly appropriate to celebrate how far we've come. 
But it seems to me from my seat that we do, we in sports do a really good job, maybe even in society of talking a great game uh, about equity and equality. Uh, but, but Kara, to your point about a, a long way to go, is it, and Tara, you, you, you start here. Is it frustrating for you as leaders uh, in this space that, that we still have not achieved gender equity in the way we do things, especially in college sports, but even on the, the, the WNBA level? Um, you know, Jay, um, I guess, you know, having, I, I see it more as the glass half full, considering how far we have come. And I know that, you know, 50 years, you know, does seem like a long time. Um, I guess what what confuses me is that if, in fact, it is a federal law, why hasn't it been enforced? You know, why hasn't you know, why are we saying it's, you know, Title IX is a law, but, you know, there, there's really no teeth in it. And that that's what's I think most frustrating. And then um, with, um, you know, with, with last year and I talked with you about this, Jay, last year with the bubble and the difference between the, you know, the men's tournament, and the women's tournament. Um, I think that in some respects, the silver lining of that was the how it was brought to the attention of so many people that it was incredibly just, you know, so wrong. And, you know, I think that um, it, it takes more than um, a or Kara or a Don or a Gino or even, you know, any any of the other people uh, that are. You know, people like uh, the late Christine Grant or, um, you know, the, the great leaders in, in women's athletics. Um, it takes people like you, Jay and Seth. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be on with you to be able to talk about this, because a, a big part of this has honestly been dads, uh, dads with daughters that want to see, um, you know, equal opportunity for their daughters uh, playing sports. You know, it's, it's interesting to to hear Tara's perspective. And, you know, I think being born in 40 years ago, um, there were advancements made and that, that feels like, um, my knowledge of the history of at least my experiential history is, is that feels like the starting point to me. And you can, you can recognize and you can feel that it's come a long way, but I, I feel like the later you're born, um, that seems like the beginning to you. And so the inequity and um, the things that you see can still improve. Those seem like the areas that need to, that need to change and you need to continue to make gains. And I, I think that's part of um, just as younger generations come in and see um, that that hopefully continues to, to push um, to push for that and, and push the fight. And um, I think having been in the sport, um, you know, my whole life, um, I'm really thankful for, you know, different pioneers that have, that have paved the way, um, but also have a great understanding of the importance of using your influence and using your voice and using the platform that you have, um, to continue to, to push for change and then continue to inspire other people to do the same. And, and that's really where, where I try to, where I try to fit in and, and the role I try to play is to continue to um, shed light on the inequities, but then also um, ask for help and inspire people to help make changes. What are the bigger, biggest challenges? And I guess together with that are, are the biggest opportunities for solutions. Cause you know, it's one thing to say, here's our problem. All right. Like, but we have these challenges. What are the main challenges and then what are, what are, what are, what are solutions that we should be championing 
to, you know, through through our our abilities and through our our, our different resources. Again, you know, Jay has a daughter in equestrian. I had three daughters that play college athletics, but you know, you you're supportive. But what what are ways and challenges you think that are the most important things that we can do? Like, what are the biggest obstacles, and what is what are the solutions to those obstacles? I don't know that I know. I mean, I think some of it is um, it's so it's so whether it's ingrained in our culture our um, you know, just how we are raised. Um, one thing I would say is, you know, just pick up the newspaper and look at the total lack of coverage of women's sports. Um, you know, just the the difference between the sports are covered. And, and unfortunately, now a lot of the newspapers um, only cover professional sports. You know, I mean, hardly any college, you know, men's or women's. But but I think that media coverage is huge. I would say that is number one, because so much of media shapes our perception of how important something is. If it's not on television, it's not important. If it's not written about in the newspaper, it's not important. So I would start right there with media. I think the same thing is the corporate support of sports. You know, in our country, a lot of it is geared towards the 18 to 35 year old beer drinking guy on the couch, which is so crazy to me because who spends all the money in your families? You know, women are much bigger consumers than men are in a you know, in terms of shopping and spending money. Um, so I think that that's another thing that, you know, but the head of corporations are men. And so it, it seems a little backwards to me, but the I think getting support from corporate support um, and we're seeing that a little bit. And that happened, you know, with the um, debacle last year of the NCAA, trend, you know, I think Google stepped up and actually, you know, funded more games in the WNBA. Um, I think that there are some corporate visionaries that are saying, wow, you know, women's sports and connect with my consumers through women's sports too, not just men's sports. Um, so I would say the media and the corporate support are, are the two main things. Uh, and then, you know, just looking at, you know, just um, like as an example, when I talked about being at Indiana, not only did we not have the things that the men's team had, you know, I pay student fee to support men's athletics. So I'm wasting to pay for my shoes to play basketball, you know, I mean, so it's, it's really, we've, we have come a long way, but we still are dealing with the economic, uh, you know, inequity and the promotion of men's sports on different campuses um, and almost like killing the golden goose, which men's sports, whether it's football or men's basketball is, but it can only generate so much. And look at this, uh, look at the uh, support, look, on the campuses or even, you know, professionally uh, expanding. I heard they're looking at expanding the WNBA, but expanding professional and then get them in the paper, support them from the corporate uh, headquarters and, uh, you know, financially support them. Yeah. I, th I think, you know, the, the those big picture um, areas, I, I agree with Tara and, and, and where those, where those need to need to happen. And certainly the financial support is, is chief among, um, you know, the, the areas of growth at every level. 
um, whether you're a professional team or a college team. And it, it, it's, it also really comes down to, I think, uh, appropriations within companies and within departments, because a, a lot of this is um, people are making decisions about the money. The money is there, but they're deciding where they're going to appropriate it and where they're going to invest and what's important to them. And um, the, the, these are these are decisions being made a lot of times behind closed doors or decisions being made that aren't able to be challenged or questioned. And then I, I think as it relates to the media, um, you know, Seth, um, you know, what what can you do or what what um, you know, what can Jay do? What, what can you, you do in, in your specific roles? I mean, having worked with you guys both, um, you know, at ESPN for a long time, um, you know, spending more time talking about our sport uh, on the different shows that you do, um, spending dedicated time on college game day, even though you're at a men's basketball arena for a men's basketball game, spending dedicated time every single week on stories in our sport. Um, and we have a ton of compelling stories in our sport in every corner, in every corner of the country. And we have great coaches. We have great programs. We have great players and um, spending the time to do that. And I, I think the more and more um, that that everyone does that, um, the more that that you'll see the increased interest and the increased funding. But it does come down to to, to people and corporations and decision makers um, making it a priority um, to, to finance and to support um, women and women's sports. You know, so much of, of our dreams and aspirations can be based on, on who we see that's like us uh, to inspire us. When, when, when both of you were younger, uh, who, who did you look to uh, as you were, were growing up to say, Hey, I want to, I want to be like her uh, and, and follow that path. Kara, start with you. When I was growing up, I, I was really enamored with uh, with the Olympics and I was really enamored with the track and field athletes. Um, and I, I can remember the first the, the vivid memory, the first athlete that I remember being in awe of was in the 1984 Olympics. Um, Evelyn Ashford won the 100 meter dash for the United States. And I was three years old. And I remember watching that with my parents and thinking, holy cow, that would be amazing one day to be able to run uh, against all the, the top athletes in the world and to be able to, to win a gold medal. And then as I got older, uh, Florence Griffith Joyner, uh, Jackie Joyner, Kersey. Um, unfortunately for me, as I got older, I got slower. Uh, so track and field ended up not being uh, the sport for me, but uh, basketball ended up being it. And um, so those were, uh, those were the people that I saw on TV. Uh, there, there wasn't a ton of, of women's basketball on television. Uh, as I was growing up. So it tended to be uh, Olympic athletes that I saw uh, performing uh, that were really inspirational to me. Tara, how about you? You know, Jay, there were really no women athletes to watch. Um, but when I was in high school, I, I lived in Niagara Falls, New York, and I who, who played at Niagara University right there? That's Calvin who I Murphy. wanted to be. Calvin, Calvin Murphy, you know? Um, you know, I watched his games. I listened on the radio. Um, I, you know, in my mind, I was out there playing with Calvin Murphy, you know, uh, but, you know, I obviously I didn't get too many shots playing with him, but, um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, that there was, there were no women to look at, you know, there were no women on television. There were, there were no, 
uh, really female athletes that I can even think of that, uh, you know, I could say I watched, you know, when I was even younger, I watched the Boston Celtics, you know, and uh, Bob Cousy or Jerry, uh, you know, John Havlicek, you know, players like that. Um, and there are very few games on television, even, you know, men's games. So uh, I, I read all books and I, it was, I, I played more in my imagination than anything. Else. You know, it was like, it wasn't looking to someone or being like someone. It was, you know, reading, you know, I got in trouble in the eighth, my ninth grade, the librarian called my dad and said, you know, um, you know, Mr. Vanderveer, um, I'm really worried about Tara. She read every book in the library about basketball. You know, my dad was like, well, don't worry. She could be in more trouble than that. You know? But it, there were, there were no, there were ro- no role models, no role models. Well, I, could, I think I can speak for everybody here that we're profoundly disappointed that in the 1984 Olympics, which I was there, I saw Evelyn Ashford. I, I was, I was working the 84 Olympics that, that Kara was three years old and I was a sophomore in college. That's a uh, really disappointing. <laughs> Jay, don't go there. Jay. Come on, Seth. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, fellas, we don't feel so. We don't feel sorry for you, fellas. That's right. Uh, really? What? How? How much? Obviously, with the 50th anniversary, how much have you addressed? Are, are your players aware and educated on basically your guys' journeys and what's ahead of them? I mean, do they have a good grasp? And an understanding, or you know, they're eighteen, nineteen-year-old, you know, people that have other interests. How how engaged are they in what is going on in the last fifty years, and what can go on in the future, and how they can push the needle? How engaged or how how knowledgeable are they? I would say the short answer is not very. Um, you know, in in some ways, in good ways, this is all they know, and um, you know, they just like. When um, we have a basketball camp and I'll talk to little eight year olds and I'll tell them, you know, I never played basketball. didn't go to basketball camp, didn't have playing a team, didn't get a scholarship. There were no pros. I, I go on and on and on. I'm on my little soapbox. And then when I'm over, one little eight year old raises her hand and she goes, why? You know, they, they can't believe that's not the world they're living in at all. And then yeah. I don't know how to answer it. So I ask, well, can anyone else answer this question? Another eight year old goes sexism. You know, I mean, eight when they're eight years old, they understand it at a certain level, but it's so confusing to them because of, you know, the world that they live in is so different. Um, right. You know, there might be, there might be some players in our team that have taken like maybe a, a women's studies class and they've talked about title nine. Um, that might be the only way they've even heard about it or they've, you know, seen it on television, but they, they really don't even know what it is. Um, if I, I'll, I'll do a quiz with our team and, and I'll, I'll let you know how many people be interested. Can, explain, can explain, uh, I'll do a quiz with our team and I'll, I'll do a gentlewoman's bet of a hundred dollars that half of them could not even tell you what it is. Wow. Uh, is, is that something I mean, that needs might to be addressed? Time, but, um, is it is it more important? Like if you you know, if I, I'll use the analogy of the civil rights uh, legislation. Is it more important that, uh, you know, the, the young people are, you know, do they do they need to know the history? Yes, it would be good to know the history. But I think it's better if our country is in a better place, you know, so that in some ways it's they don't understand, you know, if they're still living, uh, you know, 
discrimination and everything, then maybe they're going to be more historical. So in some ways, maybe it's good, you know, because they have we have progressed so much. And as much as I agree with Kara, we we do have ways to go. We have come so far, really. I mean, it's 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 mind boggling. I, I, I don't think that many of my players would would know uh, the, the, the Title IX legislation. I think that in talking with them, um, one of the things that we, we try and do and, and is, you know, edu- use different moments to, to educate them in that. That's like pertinent to them instead of just standing up there and, and giving a history lesson. So mm-hmm. maybe playing a certain team or we're playing a certain coach or, um, you know, something current event wise comes up and, um, just trying to use those, those moments, um, to, to help them understand, um, you know, where, where we are and and how far we've come. And, and, um, you know, they, they're, I think most people are, I, I think most people are acutely aware. Most of my players are acutely aware of like where it need where it needs to get to. In, in, a, in a lot of ways that where they, where they might feel like inequities, but it, it is good to remind them um, of how far it's come and, and what, what a fortunate position that they're in. How do you see the, the current, we wind up talking about the NIL landscape primarily for how it affects men. How, how is NIL uh, affecting the women's game? Jay, as far as I know, as far as I know, football and women's basketball are one, two in NIL. Uh, you know, so um, men's basketball is a lot of the men maybe are not as engaged as women on social media. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that in some ways there might be guys sitting back waiting for the universities to do like the collectives, you know, but the women are out there hustling. That's what I see. You know, they're doing the they're doing the TikToks. They're they're doing the they're they're doing it the way that the NIL was, I think, um, meant to be, honestly. I think it's it's very impactful on the women's side. I think the players have an understanding of it. If they don't have an understanding of it, they're asking questions and they're educating themselves. High school players are doing the same thing. So it's it's definitely um, a part of a uh, part of our sport. And I, I think it's a, a great part of our sport. And it's one that a, a lot of players are, are capitalizing on and, um, you know, using, using their, their different ways to be able to impact and create revenue for themselves. And so I, I think it's great. And um, they're, they're pretty creative in terms of, of who they want to align themselves with and, and what, you know, what they want to represent. And um, so there's a, there's a lot of good things happening in the sport as it relates to NIL. Uh, you played for obviously an iconic coach when you were playing at Tennessee, um, what kind of messaging did you, you and your team get from coach summit just in terms of, because I, you know, I think of obviously success that you had as a player and obviously you would hope your coaches, obviously I know coach summit had a, a tremendous impact on you. What kind of messaging did she give in terms of knocking down barriers, making a difference, you know, running your own, whatever, whatever, however you want to put it, that there's no, basically you can do whatever you want to do, which is what you've done basically. Honestly, the most powerful, I mean, she said a lot. Um, most of it was from about three inches. <laughs> <laughs> she did say a lot and, and that was really impactful. 
I think um, how she represented herself and us and what she fought for, I think was the most powerful thing. Um, when we were at Tennessee, um, we had every, we had everything the men had, uh, when I was playing 20 years ago, um, we, we, we were treated the same, the same, um, in terms of, um, compensation, uh, you know, Co coach summit was, was treated the same or close to the same as the men's coach and how we were uh, supported within the athletic department, um, was, was close to the same. And so, um, you, 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 you're alert to that. Like you understand that, like when you're 18, 19, 20, 20, 21 years old, like you, you understand that, you know, if the men's team's getting 20 pairs of shoes a year and you're getting three, like, you know, that because you're friends with them. Or if when they go on a road trip, they go out to eat at Morton's and you go out to eat at Applebee's, I'm not throwing shade at Applebee's, but I'm just saying, you know, like, you, you know, those things you talk about it. And, and so, um, we, 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 we felt that, and we knew that, that coach was, um, you know, really, really fighting for us as young women and for our program and how we should be treated and how we should carry ourselves and, and, and how, um, we should be appreciated, um, more than anything. I mean, when I played there, I felt really appreciated by, um, the fans, by the administration, by the state, um, and, um, so that, that's really the, the thing, Seth, that resonates with me is, um, or that my players feel that from me, that they feel that, um, that's what I'm fighting for them uh, for daily. Um, but there, there's a lot of things, um, that she would, would say and would talk to us about and bring players back and talk about coaches, um, I know Tara and, and, and Pat were close and, um, you know, she would talk to us about other coaches, about other programs, about people that had, had, um, you know, fought for things and, um, uh, sp specifically, uh, Tara and Vivian Stringer, um, that, that she talked about a lot. So, so we, we were, we were aware of that, um, with stories and things that she said, but the thing that sticks with me is just what she actually did, um, to make, make us feel equal. Tara, how do you feel about where we might be in another 20 years? Do, do you feel positive that uh, that equity can be reached in the next couple of the next decade? I mean, I, I don't even want to push it that far out. It should be now. All these things should be now. But do you feel pretty comfortable that that we're we're headed in in a very good direction to uh, to reach a point of equity? You know, sometimes Jay, it feels like there's two steps forward, one step back, you know, or one step forward, two steps back. You know, um, I, I, I just think about this, and this is before Kara's time, and maybe, Jay, even before your time, but, um, you know, Louisa Harris, did, did you happen to see, or, or Kara, did you see the article in the, the New York Times, the, the video about her? She played at Delta State. They won three national championships, AIW national championships. They, you know, they chartered planes. They filled the gym, you know, and it's like, why didn't we build on that? back then. And, you know, when Kara was talking about how she felt things were equal, well, when you went to the NCAA tournament, things were not equal, you know, and I, I, I don't know why, why don't, I don't know why the, the NCAA has in a lot of ways, I think held women's basketball back by saying it's a, you know, you're a loser. You financially are a loser. 
And, you know, until we get units in women's basketball in the same way that men have units for their NCAA games, then we, you know, you can, you can say, oh yeah, March Madness, let's put that on the floor. That doesn't do it. So until we really like to me, until we have units for women's basketball, and I'm not saying that we should jump in the game with the the same amount, but over a 10 year period, I think they could even out. You know, if you started out with, you know, a 10th and then you go two tenths and three and four and five and six, and pretty soon you, uh, you know, then and you divvy up the money that way. Um, then you'll be really saying women's basketball is important in the same way that men's basketball is important because there's pressure on there. You know, uh, there's pressure on teams like look at a Gonzaga University doesn't even have football, you know, but they they are so supportive of their men's and women's basketball. But just think if they, if there were units, I, I think that that would really be the game changer for women's sports. Um, you know, so going forward. Um, we can't just pretend that things are going to get better if we're doing the same thing as we're doing now. We have to change our strategy. You know, so to me, it would be uh, units. It would be really uh, being transparent about how much we're spending at universities. And Kara touched on this, but, um, you know, the salaries for uh, men's basketball coaches, women's basketball coaches are very different. And we're, we're both at all the universities are nonprofit institutions. So how do you justify this? So there's, this is just what's been going on, whether it's, um, and, and I am in no way bashing men's basketball or men's football. You know, I root the hardest for our, you know, with uh, David Shaw, our football coach or Jared, you know, wanting them to do well. And, um, you know, because it helps everybody, but, but we could, um, I think that going forward, there, there does have to be a change in strategy. Otherwise, we'll have the same result. You feel the same way? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I touched on it earlier. Like the the conversations that are that that are continually um, being had at at every level of a university, whether it's the salary, whether it's um, uh, budget, uh, the 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 allotment that you get from from your shoe company. I mean, like all of the, all of these different appropriations that I talked about earlier that are these decisions are being made about how it's going to be divvied up amongst not just men's and women's basketball, but all the sports, but specifically for us, men's and women's basketball. And um, it's not even close to being to being even. And so those decisions are being made time after time and year after year. And all of this is going on. And then that that's the norm. That's the normal. You know, and, and, and that has been the normal. And the, the interesting thing about normal or what what you're used to when it involves inequity. When you try to level it. The group that's in the majority so often feels like you are taking from them because it's what they've always had. It's what they've always had. So they see it as threatening and they see it as something as taking away from what they have when really what it is, is from the beginning, they just always had more unfairly. And now as you try to, so you battle that a lot, you battle that a lot on, on, on every level because it seems like it's being taken from somebody else when it was given in the first place. And, and there's this, we hear this all the time, you know, well, th this is what's been earned. It's not what's been earned. It's what's been given. It's what's been allowed. And, and so it gets, it gets emotional 
And it gets frustrating because when you start to try and do those things, all of us reach those roadblocks because sometimes people don't want to bend in certain areas. And the reason they give is because that's the way it's always been, or this is what we've earned. And um, you, you get tired of hearing, hearing those things. Great. Powerful. It's a strong statement. I did, Tyra, I did have one question for you. The year you took off and coached the Olympic team, mm-hmm. just in general, this is just, this is probably not even through podcast. What was that year like for you? Because obviously, you know, it was, a, it, it, in a lot of ways, it, it changed, it, it begat the WNBA in a lot of ways, in, in some sense, right? Yeah. That, that, that success yeah. in that team. But what, what was that, what was that year like? I was, I was always, you know, I always, talk about people taking like a bridge um, year or a year, but that wasn't a bridge year. And that was probably as much pressure and, and right. under as much a microscope as you can possibly be. I was just, I was always, I was always wondering to ask you that. Well, you know, um, on June 9th or the 15th, actually, um, ESPN is coming out with 33. It's cream on. We'll talk about that Olympic year. Um, so documentary, um, I think what, you know, it was, it was extremely demanding. And like you said, there was a lot of pressure on our team to win the gold medal. I met with David Stern and he just said, you know, Hey, um, I'm, I'm all excited about this program because I'm just worried about one thing. I said, what's that? He goes, you, I said, well, don't worry. I said, don't worry. <laughs> I got it under control. I know what I'm doing, you know? And, uh, you know, but it was, um, you know, we traveled all over the world. Um, we trained, we, we picked the team in, in May. We went in June to Lithuania and Italy. We took July and August off. I was recruiting then for Stanford, July, uh, August. And then we met back up in October. Uh, you know, I had to, I resigned from Stanford. You know, I resigned and then worked for U.S. basketball for the year. Uh, we trained in Colorado Springs. And, and then we went, we played a college schedule. And then we played an international schedule. We actually, we, we were in Kiev you know, back, um, in, uh, you know, 96, we we're in a beautiful city, met beautiful people. Um, we played in all over the world and, you know, and, and kind of to let you know, like just a little bit about how it related even to title nine was that I think it's, I think title nine is so important because it, we are the world leaders. Everyone loves us in sports in basketball how do the Americans do it? Well, when we went to Russia, I met, you know, I met the, the people that were in charge there and they're like, well, where's the commander? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? That who's the head? I'm like, well, me, no, I mean, where's the man? I'm like, no, me. And it was like, they honestly, the world cannot, does not see women in leadership roles. And, and we were, we, I was like one of the few women coaches in the Olympics. There were only two myself and, and Canada, you know, and we had, I mean, we had like, um, I mean, we had to deal with, honestly, I think really kind of some bias with the officials, you know, with male officials. So, you know, this, it's, it's bigger than just our own country. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we are the leaders of women's sports in the world. Yes, we made great progress, um, but we have to keep working. But for me personally, it and me of the COVID year. I was like, this, this is what you're just doing this thing. This is all you're doing. And um, I, I mean, I, I did well. I mean, I like COVID year for, for me. I mean, obviously it was horrible, but you know, you could just totally focus on just playing. And that's all we did. We, we trained and traveled. 
it was it was uh, really a grind, but it, you know we got a gold medal. It was fun too. That's good. I, I the players might not. It's fun. <laughs> well, I, I always tell Jay the players yeah. always complain. It makes no difference. They always complain. Yeah, if they don't complain, you know you're doing something wrong. And I think I think it uh, like you saw pictures of Lisa Leslie flexing, or you know, like women became like proud of being strong and competitive. And it, it did, you know, the WNBA did, um, did start with that and the ABL yeah. too. Well, players do always complain, but Seth's players had a lot more to complain about than the average. Yeah, here he goes. Here he goes. <laughs> he, could, he was on, um, by the way, he was on best behavior for about 30 minutes. You left that meatball up there, man. That'd take a swing uh, at it. I, I got to get that Doberman pitch back on the set. <laughs> well, Tara and Kara, we, we can't thank you well, enough. Um, you, you two are uh, two of the brightest uh, and best minds in the game. Um, and that, that men, women doesn't matter that you, you're, you're two of the, the best ever. And, uh, so proud that, uh, that you gave us your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank great. You. Great to see you, Jay. Right. Have a great summer. Seth, nice to meet you and have a great summer. Thank Enjoy you. sharing Thanks, with you guys Appreciate on TV. So, Thank you very much. Appreciate all right. It. Take care. TV.